Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. So our family had some bumps, has had some bumps. I said this in the first service and everybody cheered and I'm like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> but I, I passed a kidney stone this week. Yay. Y'all are crazy too. You don't cheer that stuff. Have you ever had one? Who's had one? You know, you don't, you don't be cheering that. It's a, it's a unique pain, you know. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not saying this. I'm just saying what somebody else said. So don't throw stones at me, and I'm not trying to compare pain. But I've heard from some women that had babies and stones, and they said they'd rather have babies. I didn't say that. I'm just telling you what somebody else said. I don't know. But it's that It's bad. Yeah, right. I mean, you leave with a stone, it's like, that thing? And it finally comes out, and you're like, really? It's, 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 it's like a so I'm laying on the hospital floor, throwing up, moaning. And, you know, I don't like the hospital. People die there. You know, it's like, that's the last place you want to go when you're sick, really. I mean, I'm not just trying to be funny, but it's like, you know, to go to the hospital. But I, I had to go. I mean, I was, it was bad. So I had a unique opportunity this week to put my message into practice. Last week I talked about changing lanes, right? When you have road construction and you got that bumpy lane and you're looking over and you're like, hey, they've paved that lane. I'm just going to switch into that lane. Ooh, this, is, this, is, this is a smooth lane. See, faith is like that. It's just the choice. The kingdom of heaven is within. It has been brought near. And it is right here. It is here. It is here. It is here. It is here. And it's a choice to participate in it. Not try and get it to show up. Not try to get God to pour out more of it. He's given you all of it in Jesus, in you. Amen. Amen. And if you haven't received him yet, we'll give you that opportunity today. So I'm preaching to myself. I'm like, all right, which one are you going to choose here? And then, you know, you look at, look at a lot of different things that are going on. Oh, by the way, it started on Wednesday morning about 3.30 a.m., and what got me up out of the bed was I heard the hot water heater spewing water, which is in our attic. So I'm in our attic, doubled over, trying to get the water turned off, and I'm draining the thing. And it's like, all right, I'm, I'm in denial because you know what it is. It's been 10 years since I've had one. But if you've had them and it starts, you know. And I'm telling myself, oh, I just I got up out of bed too fast. I, I climbed the ladder, you know. I'm trying to tell myself this ain't what it is. But I know what it is. <clears throat> so I try to, I tried to, uh, if I seem a little foggy, it's because I swallowed two 10-year-old oxycodones before I went to the hospital. And, I, you know, my drug days are over, but it's like, <laughs> I had to have something. I get to the hospital. They give me. They're in my front yard. They're in your front. That's right, because I had to go to her house to take a hot shower, and I threw them up when I got to her house. But anyway. <laughs> then I get to the hospital. They give me a shot of Tordal, which took the edge off a little bit, but not much. Then it really, I don't, it must have been a signal to really kick in. But, so then they give me morphine, and that did nothing. Yep. Then they switched to Dilaudid. 
And then you get one of those, you're like, okay, this is remotely getting some satisfaction. And then another shot of Delauded, they're like, okay, you can stay or go home. I'm like, I don't go home. I can just hear ching, 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 you know. So then you take another five or six Percocets waiting for things to pass. I didn't take that much drugs within a 24-hour span when I was doing drugs. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, so for the next two or three days, I'm thinking, this is, I thought I was done with this. <laughs> so I think I'm going to preach here. I don't think I'm high anymore. And I did pass the stone, praise God, very quickly. The stone has rolled away. Thank you for not... <laughs> Leave it to those two. But the other people said that they were wanting to post, you know, stone jokes. Thank you for withholding those, seriously. So, I mean, I had the unique opportunity to decide. Am I going to trust God? Or what? Because it's like, <clears throat> mom's fighting through her rehab, our hot water heater, and I'm thinking, okay, here's that bill, here come the hospital bills, here come this, and it's like, you know what? God's my provider. Amen. This stone's gone. My body will heal. God created this body to heal. Plus, he's given me his spirit, who every moment of the day is bringing life to my physical body. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to my body, you know, so, so it's like, it's a repentant process. So today I want to talk about repentance. It actually is in line with where I was going. But don't worry, we're not going to get you all down here at the altar screaming and crying and trying to convince God how sorry you are. Because guess what? That's not what repentance is. So we're talking about faith. And then I'll jump back over to repentance. But faith is a response. Faith is a response to what Jesus has already done. Now, think about this. But it's a daily choice to participate in those promises and benefits. All right? See, faith is not what you do to convince God to show up and do things for you. Faith is not what you do to make things happen in this planet. Faith says, Jesus, you died, conquered everything that would ever come against me, gained righteousness and eternal life, passed into the heavens and offered your own blood and then give that to me when I say yes to you. That removes my sin. That puts a new spirit in me. That makes me perfect, sanctified, and holy before the Father. Then you, then you anoint me with your spirit, which puts me hidden with you in God. And then you say things. Then he says things like, okay, not only that, but all my promises are yes and amen. I've given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I will be with you every day. I'll never leave you. I promise I will never be angry with you again. I will never rebuke you again. My spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth, tell you what the Father is saying, show you things to come, and remind you of what I taught you. It's finished. Now, our choice is to look at that picture and say, yes, it's finished, but to step into it and participate in it. Your faith is not what you do to make God happy. When you're not in faith, quote unquote, you're not making God unhappy. God's pretty happy because he's satisfied with Jesus. So it's your choice. 
you can look at it and realize, you know what, all these things that I've been trying to do to get God to show up and make happen in my life, I've been trying to get him to pay my bills, I've been trying to heal me, I've been trying to get him to try to restore my marriage, I've been trying to get him to teach me how to do miracles better, I've been trying to get him to give me more power so I can have, you know, all that stuff, it's complete. It's, it's a one-shot deal. It is a cure-all, and it is Jesus. Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. I want to go to the deeper stuff. There ain't no deeper stuff. Jesus in you is the deep stuff. But see, here's the thing. You don't need any more information. That's our problem. We're information mongers. We think, if I just learn one more little thing, then it'll tip the scales for me. No, it's not learning more. It's being convinced deeper in your heart. It's being confident deeper and deeper. It's those roots growing deeper and deeper. It's that rock that's cast into the earth that shatters the feet of the enemy's kingdom and grows in this world until it takes over the whole world. So is the kingdom in your own heart. It's like leaven. It's a seed seeking to grow until it has increased and pushed everything out that's not kingdom within you. But you don't need more information to experience that. You don't need more anointing. You don't need another church service. Can I get an amen? What you need is faith, but the proper definition of faith is confidence or to think to be true. See, we, for too long we've been taught that faith is like this commodity you've got to get more of and make things happen. No, it's not that. It's, faith is looking at something and saying, yes, I believe that wall is blue. Now, some of y'all are colorblind and don't think it's blue, but it is blue. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, I believe that the sun is in the sky. It's there. It does what it does. Yes, I believe that Jesus completed my salvation. Yes, it's true. It's finished. And it's in you if you've said, if you've said yes to him. But how confident are you? See, that's what makes your faith weak or strong. When Jesus talks about weak faith, little faith, strong faith, he's not talking about how much of it. He's talking about how deep is it? How, how confident? How much has it grown? to where you're looking at that sun and you're not just saying intellectually, I believe there's a sun out there, but you're feeling the warmth of it and you're letting it do something for you and in you and through you. That's our Christianity. It's remaining focused on Him in confident expectation and faith and trust and yielding toward what He's already done so that it goes from spirit to physically manifested in your life. That's the secret. That's the mystery of the kingdom. It's finished. It's just spiritual. And it needs to grow into this dimension. And you are the one that's going to let it grow or not let it grow to the degree that you are convinced in your heart that he's done it for you. Not just that he's done it, but that he's done it for you. Did God really say that it's for me? Did God really say that I can have... All the promises. Because so you got your religious neighbor will come knock on the door and say, well, you know what? He did say there's going to be trouble. Yeah, but that's from the world. Which one you want, the world or the kingdom? So faith is a response and then a daily choice to participate in what he's already given you. Last week I gave the analogy that you're driving, right? 
they're doing road construction and you're in the bumpy lane and you're looking over there and here's the lane they've worked on and you just have to choose to turn and get into that lane. But once you're in that lane, you gotta pick a spot where you're looking, right? We all know that when you're driving, you're gonna turn toward what you're looking at. You drive us when, we when you teach kids to drive. Look ahead, don't look down, don't look at your phone, don't look at the sign. Don't look at the signs. The signs verify where you're going. We're like, we in Christianity, we're like, oh, look at that sign. We chase some sign and wonder over here and we're like, standing here looking at the sign. It's like, I want you to go this way. Praise God for the sign, but that's only confirming you're going in that direction. Don't get stuck on the sign. Amen? But where, what are you looking at? What we're looking at is Jesus. What we're looking at is the promise. What we're looking at is what he's already finished. The faith is not to get things, right? We think we're driving down the road and we lack something. In our car, in our life, in our bodies, I don't have this. So somewhere along the road as I'm following Jesus here, I'm going to get what I'm lacking. When really it's like, no, you've already got it. Stay focused on it. Stay focused on Him. And to the degree that your heart is open to Him, you will not shut off the, the establishment of it in your life. That's why you got to stay out of sin. That's why you got to stay out of legalism. That's why you got to stay out of chasing all the junk that's in this world. Stay out of worry. Stay out of fear. And stay out of sickness. That's a big one. Staying out of sickness is just like staying out of worry. It's a choice. That's all I'm going to say about that right now. He either provided healing or he didn't. Amen? Amen. So now that we are believers, here's the question. Do you still need to repent? Well, it depends on what your definition of repent is. Under the Old Testament, there is a very specific word that was used for repent. And it meant to be sorry, to basically feel bad. You know, what, what unfortunately the modern day church still believes repentance is. But look what Jesus does here. I'm going to give you the definition of this word. Go ahead and, get, go ahead and put up um, Matthew 4.17, if you would, back there. The word that Jesus uses for repent is this Greek. It's in, in Greek, it's the word metaneo. Some of you may have, have heard it, metanoia. Neo, meta means with, and in the, in the, in the, the word neo, it means... Um, to perceive with the mind or to understand or to think upon. Basically to meditate. To perceive, to meditate. So you are with meditation is what the word metaneo means. Metaneo means to understand, to perceive, to meditate. Not convince someone that you're sorry. All right? So it... You put it together, neo means that. Metaneo means to change your mind. Neo means perceive, meditate. Metaneo means to change your mind, change the way that you're thinking. In fact, the, the specific defi definition is, see, this is where that delauded starts kicking in. I'm like, here we go. No, I'm done with that. So metaneo means to change one's mind. Talking about the word repent, to change one's mind for the better. Jesus, every time he uses the word repent in the New Testament, is the word metaneo. 
Not one time does Jesus ever use a word for repent. And the Gospels as well never is the word repent, and it means to be sorry or to feel low. It means change your mind. So having established that, let's look what Jesus is talking about. He says, this is right after Jesus is baptized. You know, he, he, that was part of what he was supposed to do is be baptized. You had this moment he comes up out of the river and the Holy Spirit descends upon him and publicly recognizes him as the Son of God and as being anointed to be the Messiah. So Jesus is recognized as the Son of God and he's called technically into his ministry of walking out being the Messiah. So he goes from there out into the desert and he faces the enemy and he's tempted by the devil for 40 days at various times so that you wouldn't ever have to be tempted by the devil. Did you realize that? See, Jesus, everything about him is an exchange. Jesus' life was not necessarily a model where he said, okay, here's how you do it. Now you have to do it that way as much as it was, I'm going to win it and conquer it for you and here, here's the victory. So you don't have to face the temptation of the devil. Jesus already did and beat him. Are you in Jesus? Yes. All right. So anyway, he comes out of that experience. And when he, the very first message in Matthew and Mark, they pick up very early on in the public ministry of Jesus. Uh, Luke and John don't do this, but they do say similar words. But right when he comes out of being tempted in the desert, this is the first thing he says. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And go to the next passage there that you, not 18, but the, the Mark. So we're going to go to Mark 1.15, because it puts a little bit more on it. But Mark 1.15 expands what he's saying here, because there has to be an object of repentance. What he's saying here is the time has come. He said the kingdom of God has come near or is joined to you. Repent and what? Believe. Believe, Believe what? The good, the, the good news. New Testament, specifically New Covenant repentance, is not about trying to convince God how sorry you are. It's change your mind and believe. Specifically, the gospel. Do you still need to repent as a believer if that's the definition? Sure. Absolutely. Go to one more verse here. Actually, just go ahead and go over to uh, Acts 3.19. See, some people get a hold of grace and they start saying, well, I don't need to repent anymore. I'm done. Yeah, if you think repentance is trying to convince God that you're a sorry, old, dirty sinner. But guess what? You got Jesus in you. You're not an old, sorry, dirty sinner. You are a clean, sanctified, holy believer. There is no unrighteousness in you spiritually, only in the way that you think. See, unrighteousness is not doing sinful deeds. It's not being in your mind as you should be. In other words, in agreement that you are made perfect and holy. I mean, this is a radical transformation of the way that we think about some of these words, about righteousness and repentance and holiness. But this is the truth, and it's the gospel. Look what he does here. This is Acts 3.19 because, because I do want you to see that some people have come up after a message like this and they say, well, yeah, but you've got to repent to be forgiven of your sins. Let me ask you this. What actually causes you to be forgiven on this side of the cross? 
What if you don't ask? What if you don't believe? Is God holding your sin against you? So you're forgiven whether you ask for it or not. That's what he told them in Romans 5. Go into the world and tell people God's not holding your sin against you. Now, as a result of telling people that, then invite them to be reconciled. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and he is the sin offering of the entire world, whether they believe or not. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody is then righteous. They're just forgiven, okay? There's a difference. Every person on the planet, whether they've received Jesus or not, stands forgiven because Jesus died in their place, okay? Now, then to participate in that and receive righteousness and eternal life, you then say yes, and you receive righteousness, but they're forgiven. People don't get cast into the lake of fire because they're unforgiven. It's because they're unrighteous. In other words, they haven't received the Spirit of Christ by saying yes to His sacrifice. Forgiveness does not come when you, on this side of the cross, when you go to God and say, I am so sorry, I'm worthless, I don't deserve this, and then try to get Him to release mercy or release something to you. Remember, it is finished in Jesus. And you're either participating in that or you're not. And that's a daily choice. You're forgiven, but are you, are you, do you know, do you feel forgiven? Do you feel confident to just walk right in before God, even if you've been in sin all day, and say, I'm your child? Now, does that mean sin is okay? No. Sin still kills, it destroys. In fact, what sin does is it causes you to be in the mindset and participating with the world. You're actually shutting off God's influence when you're in sin. You're not turning off His love for you. You're not turning anything off from God. You're just choosing not to participate in it. And it will kill you and send you to an early grave. And you will pass into eternity and think, what the heck was I doing messing around with that stuff? Maybe. You know, I don't know. I just made that up. I don't have a scripture for that, in case you're wondering. <laughs> but the point is, for you, you don't have to try to convince God how sorry you are. You don't have to go to God and think, He's disappointed in me. Let me grovel a little while. Then get back into His good graces. Then He'll release a blessing to me. No, it's, He's already pumped you so full of blessing, you can never live out the degree to which He's blessed you. It's when you actually carry that sin consciousness and that false humility of, oh, I'm not worthy. You're worthy. Jesus died for you to make you worthy. How dare you belittle the blood of Jesus by thinking you're not worthy? You're looking at Jesus and saying, you know what? You're not enough. I need to suffer a little bit before the Father myself to earn a little bit from Him myself. That's boasting in your own salvation. That's doing a work in your own flesh thinking that you will participate in salvation because something that you've done. Yeah, but it's holy to be, you know, you know reverent to, to be grot. To whatever. I don't even know what the words are. What's the word? Contrite or, you know, whatever. Ah, baloney. Quit being religious. Because that's not even what repentance is all about. What it's about is... 
change the way that you think and believe the gospel. Even for the people that they're preaching here to, he says, repent. Now, you have to be able to, you know, diagram a sentence and see what modifies what and actually read. I don't mean that to be, you know, nasty. But I want to make a point here. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. What is it that causes the sins to be blotted out? Is it repenting or being converted? I'll make it easy for you. Being converted. We're breaking out the the theology scalpel here for just a minute so you see what I'm talking about, right? Just flip into teaching mode for a minute. It's not repentance that blots out your sins. It's being converted. We've been taught, repent for the remission of sins. But see, what repentance is, is before you've received Christ, you're preparing your heart and your mind to be converted so that your sins can be blotted out. What you do is you change the way that you're thinking about salvation or life or anything and saying, before you were a believer and saying, I'm going to hell, I need a Savior, I'm going to change the way that I think and start believing that Jesus actually did something about this and receive Him. Then your sins are blotted out. It's not the repentance that generates the sins being blotted out, it's the conversion. Do you see that? You change your mind to be ready to be converted, but once you're converted, you still keep changing your mind. Because repentance is changing the way that you think. It's going from your mind to the mind of Christ. It's going from that bumpy lane into that faith lane. And we go back. And we go. Sorry, I'm not going to dance. Well, my help. That's what repentance is. Which mind are you going to think with? Your carnal mind, which only sees bills and pain and what your family's going through and the condition of your marriage and what this person did and what's going on in Syria and what's happening in Paris. That's the carnal mind. The mind of Christ, the spiritual mind, which you then enter into or you begin to think with, you already have it, that's the process of repentance. I'm going to change the way I'm thinking here, and I'm going to think, okay, what would Christ think? How does he see this? What's happening in his mind in light of this situation? That's repentance. There's nothing in there about you trying to tell God how sorry you are. There's nothing in there about you trying to gain back some kind of righteousness that you lost. You don't lose righteousness when you sin because righteousness is a state of existence, not a a bar that you measure up to. And you've been given that state of existence because Jesus gained it himself and he gave you his righteousness. You stand before the Father with the righteousness of Jesus. In your spirit. Now, in your mind, you forget that. So you need to repent and believe the gospel. Say, repent and believe. believe. See, we've been taught wrong. Repentance is not you convincing God to forgive you. Repentance is not convincing God to 
give you some mercy and some grace. Repentance is saying, I don't want to think this way anymore. I'm going to shift my thinking. See, because we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. I keep seeing these kinds of little things. You know, you see, you, we think we've got all these doctrinal things and different kinds of teachings going on in Christianity or in the Bible. But really, when you look at the function of what these things are, and follow me here, repentance is transforming through renewing your mind. Repentance is renewing your mind. So be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You could just as easily say, be ye transformed by metaneo, through repentance. And I want you to forever have a value and an appreciation for the word repentance and not think it's something that used to cause you pain and that you have been set free from because you're not under the law anymore. Repentance is just a mind shift. So that's what Christianity is. It's a response. It's saying, look, Jesus, you've already completed this for me. You've already said that every promise that you've made to everybody is yes for me. Now, how do I participate in that? You repent. Or you change your mind. Or you renew your mind. According to what's already complete. See, if you're going to renew your mind... The object of which you are focused on has to be a truth, hopefully a specific truth, okay? Now we're getting into some mechanics. I want to make it a little practical for you. Mind renewal or lifestyle repentance or over a long period of time where we begin to experience more of the holiness that we've been given or we begin to experience more of the anointing that we have or we begin to more easily walk in grace rather than choosing sin. All of that stuff is it's, it's a barometer in your heart, not God giving you more and giving you less at times and other times choosing to do it differently for you. The growth that we experience is directly related to how confident you are in your heart that Jesus has already made you righteous and given you everything that He earned. That's what determines which degree of it you're going to experience and not experience. Not him giving and taking. Do you see that? So, we've got the opportunity to continue to repent, which just means I'm going to change the way that I'm thinking. And you you do need a little information peppered in here because you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? We all want to experience transformation. How does it happen? Renew your mind. There's no scripture that says you are transformed by becoming, uh, you know, by doing more miracles. You are transformed by going to church more. You are transformed by giving more. None of that stuff is in the Bible. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because I make this a point because some people don't don't get it that it's about what you're thinking about. But it has to be focused on a truth, right? It has to be focused on something that is already settled in that spirit dimension in the kingdom that you are looking at. And it's almost like to the degree that you can hold on to it. And it's not a fight. It's not a striving because, see, keep this in mind. You're not trying to make something true. You're not trying to make something happen. You're just wanting to participate in it. 
And because if the kingdom is right here, right now with you, you don't have to figure out how to go into it. And then sometimes you're in it and sometimes you're not in it. Like the kingdom's out there. And if I do some kind of mystical, magical, religious, charismatic thing, then I can go into the kingdom. No, you're in the kingdom because the kingdom is in you. But are you participating with that quality of life? And the way that you participate with it or experience transformation is repentance or renew your mind. And because it's already completed, so I, I see it, I don't know, there's all different kinds of ways that I see it, but it's like you're focused on it, and to the degree that you are focused on it, and it, and it is producing more and more confidence in you, i.e. faith within you, which really gets down to obedience within you, to the degree that you become convinced that Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the completion of my salvation. Jesus in me is bringing life to my body. You're not making it happen. You're just becoming more and more and more confident within it till it pushes out everything else. And that's the only reality that you're left with because it's true. You see that? It's already true. What degree are you going to let it grow into your life by remaining confident in it? That it's, that it's finished. So you pick a promise. And I want to try to do this over the next couple of weeks. And, and I, I've been toying around with the idea for a while. I, I want to end these messages on a promise, on an object of our attention, an object of faith. See, because what we've done with faith is we've said, okay, I've got to have faith for healing. I've got to have faith for uh, walking in my call. I got to have faith to pay this bill. See, I, I, I've, I've got the kind of faith where I can experience headache healing, but do I really have the kind of faith where I can get God to pay this, you know, $5,000 bill? You ever heard that taught that way? It's like, I got this kind of faith, I don't have this kind of You know, that, that's, that's dumb. That's religious way of thinking about what faith is. Faith is, I'm confident. How confident are you? That's what determines the difference between great, little, strong faith. How confident are you in what he's done? Not only knowing the information, but actually being open to it and believing it in your heart where you feel it. it you, when you say, I believe that Jesus, it, that Jesus will meet all my needs according to his riches, do you still worry about the debt? Or are you focused in experiencing the emotion of he will meet that need? I mean, what's the difference? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you make that shift? You do it in your heart. You do it by staying focused on the promise. So I want to do this. Um, this you know, we're always looking at ways where we can serve you. When we do these kinds of things, we're not just trying to, like, trap you into our systems. We're just trying to, how can we best serve, what, serve you? How can we best speak into your life? So we've got this app. Uh, which is available on you know all devices now. <clears throat> you can go into your store and download uh, the app. It's just search for Forward Church Atlanta, and we have the ability. I just figured this out. We tested it. How many of you got the push notification that I sent out and tested you? We've got the ability to send push notifications. Oh, did they put the slide up? Look at there. How clever we are. 
If you're like me, you don't want push notifications. You download an app, as soon as that thing comes up, the first question is, do you want push notifications? No, I turn them off immediately. But one of the things that we want to do just to be able to serve you is send out things to you. I would suspect that your answer will be similar to the first service I asked this. Do you know what push notifications are? You know when your phone goes bloop and it puts a little thing up and it tells you something? <laughs> That's the technical way to describe it. Uh, some people don't like them. I don't like them. But I'm going to turn it on for this app because I want the encouraging word. Well, you go, you go into your preferences in your phone, system preferences, and you go into the notification setting, and then it's, you can turn it on and off per app. What we want to do is just send notifications. How many of you, I'm going to ask two questions, how many of you would want a daily notification? Sure. How many of you say every two to three days? Yeah, so it's about 50-50 in here. Other the first service, it was two to three days. We don't know exactly, but like I said, we just want to, and don't worry, it won't be at 3 o'clock in the morning. We'll do it probably in the morning so that it's there on your phone. But it's a, it will be a point of you to repent. In other words, for you to look at this thing, it's, it's a reminder. Okay, I've got my life going on here. I've got all these things going on here, but I'm going to get out of my carnal mind into the mind of Christ, and I'm going to pick a truth, and I'm going to stand on that truth, and I'm going to believe that truth. Now, I'm going to expect this truth to happen. So this week, we want to do it on this. Go ahead and put this passage up at Psalm uh, 23.5. You're all familiar with this. But what I would love for you to do this week is take this verse and just think about it. In the morning and in the evening. Just take some time to think about it. Think about what these different things mean. How, what, what was, what's God showing you within these kinds of things? Use this as an exercise for lots of different things. One, to, to stay focused on an idea, a promise. Two, to tune your heart and your mind to get used to waiting and expecting God to actually speak to you, because that is one of the functions of the Holy Spirit. But three, to actually let God into your life. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Every little aspect of that, just take some time this week, if you would, every day. There are some verses, some translations that say at the end, my cup overflows with blessings. That's the version we're going to send out. <clears throat> but, you know, your enemy is that debt. Your enemy is that sickness. Your enemy is that emotion that you keep dealing with. Your enemy is that sin that you so easily fall back into. <laughs> your, enemy is what, your enemy is not your wife or your husband. It's your attitude about your wife or your husband. Amen? Now, they may be doing some nuttiness, but you, that's, you just love them. <laughs> All right, so, but what does that mean? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, first off, has to do with an acceptance. God anoints what he accepts. If he's, if he's accepted you, he will anoint you. And the fact that you have been anointed, see, you don't need other people's anointings. You don't need other anointings. You need one anointing. God has anointed you with Jesus, and that anointing abides doesn't come and go. It abides, it stays, it remains. 
You can experience as much of it as you want to. So you are accepted within God. You have been endued with power before the Father. But back up to the first verse. Think about this as you're going throughout your day. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In this moment, right now, say right now, now. God, God, you can stop, (laughs) is making a meal for you. That meal for you, the ingredients are, I will meet all your needs according to my riches in glory. See, whatever you're facing in this moment, right now, God is preparing a table for you. God is specifically crafting and making good plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, he has good plans for you. Plans to bring you to a hopeful and an expected end. Not plans to harm you, not plans to hurt you. He won't put any diseases on you. He's got good plans. Right now, God is cooking up good plans for you. Think about that. Now, now what you're doing is you're you're choosing to participate in this. Now, don't start trying to tell God how to cook. You know what I mean? That's what we do. It's like, God, don't you see this problem? If you would do this, then this would work. If you would have this person do this and this person do this, then you could really meet. Then that's how you're going to meet my need, God. Don't do that. Stop it. Just sit back. You ever go to somebody's house and they truly enjoy cooking and they just want you to relax and enjoy it? That's God. Right now, in this moment, he is preparing a table for you. Say for me. For me. Your job. Your kids. Your life. God sees it right now. He's got good plans that he's putting together. His favor goes before you. His spirit is speaking to you right now. His spirit is preparing your heart to be able to receive what he's doing for you that you might not walk into for another few days or weeks or years even. So relax, trust, remain patient because in this moment right now, God is preparing a table for you. Now, I'm not just trying to be preachy or elementary. It's like, no, you've got to participate in this, man. You've got to get your heart open. Have some hope, some expectation, belief. Stay focused on this promise. See, this is a promise that God will prepare a table for you. And he's doing it right now. I mean, you might even start to smell it. You know, it's like, I, yeah. Are, are you feeling hopeful? Yes. Are you expectant? Yes. Now remain patient. See, patience doesn't let worry creep in. Patience doesn't let doubt creep in. Patience doesn't mean you just sit back and let whatever is going to happen, happen. Patience is sitting back and remaining confident. Not just accepting what's happening. Patience doesn't just accept what's thrown at it. Patience says, "Uh uh-uh, no. That's not for me. That's not from God. That's not a good plan that God has for me. God is preparing a table for me right now. And you experience it by the renewing of your mind. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. You eat what God has for you by the renewing of your mind. By repenting and changing the way that you're thinking, 
You can look. I've got this bill. I've got this kidney. I've got this heart water, hot water heater. I've got my person in this life going through. I've got, or you can say, you know what? I realize that that's there, but this is the way that I'm going to see this. He is my provider. He is my healer. He is that person's comforter. He is my teacher. He is. And you focus on the truth. It's the only hope of participating in those good plans. And you might stumble on them every now and then. But it's a response. Faith is a response to what Jesus has already done. But it's a daily choice to participate in those promises and benefits. So are you going to choose daily to participate? You know, gone should be the days of us asking, Why, God? What are you doing? What are you saying? Because what you're saying when you do that is, I'm ignoring your spirit. I'm sitting here throwing a tantrum. I know you're actually speaking to me, but I'm choosing confusion. What are you doing, God? He is daily preparing a table for you in the presence of your life. That's what he's doing. Thank you, Father, so much for your goodness toward us, for your kindness. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for making an ironclad way for us to be in relationship with you, and it's not based on us, it's based on Jesus. We choose to participate with, what, with you in him. We choose to receive what he inherited. We choose to look at you and expect that you are daily, actively moving in our lives. You are daily preparing a way to meet the needs that I have because I am your child, and that's what you want to do. I will live a daily lifestyle of changing my mind away from the struggles that I'm dealing with, focused on your truth. Because it's true. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. I hear I just hear a song, you know, he sings over you. Thank you, Lord. Just stay focused on him for a minute. Yes, Lord, we say yes to you. We want to participate in what you're doing already, what you've done and how you're seeking to establish it in our lives. Amen.